Chapter Twenty of the First Violin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The First Violin by Jesse Fothergill. Chapter Twenty. For though he lived aloof from Ken, the world's unwitnessed denizen, the love within him stirs abroad, and with the hearts of men, his own confers. The story of my life from day to day was dull enough, same enough for some time after I went to live at the Vehan. I studied hard, and my only variety was the letters I had from home. Not very cheering, these. One which I received from Adelaide puzzled me somewhat. After speaking of her coming marriage in a way which made me sad and uncomfortable, she condescended to express her approval of what I was doing, and went on. I'm Catholic in my tastes. I suppose all our friends would faint at the idea of a singer in the family. Now I should rather like you to be a singer, only be a great one, not a little two-penny, half-penny person who has to advertise for engagements. Now I'm going to give you some advice. This Herr von Francius, your teacher or whatever he is, be cautious what you are about with him. I don't say more, but I say that again, be cautious. Don't burn your fingers. Now I have not much time, and I hate writing letters, as you know. In a week I am to be married, and then nous verrons. We go to Paris first, and then on to Rome, where I shall winter, to gratify my taste, I wonder, or Sir Peter's for mouldering ruins, ancient pictures, and the Colosseum by moonlight. I have no doubt that we shall do our duty by the respectable old structures. Remember what I said, and write to me now and then. A. I frowned and puzzled a little over this letter be cautious in what possible way could i be cautious what need could there be for it when all that passed between me and von francius was the daily singing lesson at which he was so strict and severe sometimes so sharp and cutting with me i saw him then i also saw him at the constant probens to concerts whose season had already begun proben to the passions music the messiah etc at one or two of these concerts i was to sing I did not like the idea, but I could not make von Francius see it as I did. He said I must sing, it was part of my studies, and I was fain to bend to his will. Von Francius, I looked at Adelaide's letter and smiled again. Von Francius had kept his word. He had behaved to me as a kind of elder brother. He seemed instinctively to understand the wish, which was very strong on my part, not to live entirely at Miss Hallam's expense, to provide partially at any rate for myself if possible he helped me to do this now he brought me some music to be copied now he told me of a young lady who wanted lessons in english now of one little thing now of another which kept me to my pride and joy in such splendid pocket money as i needed truly i used to think that in those days it does not need much money nor much room for a person like me to keep her place in the world i wished to trouble no one only to work as hard as i could and do the work that was set for me as well as I knew how. I had my wish, and so far was not unhappy. But what did Adelaide mean? True, I had once described von Francius to her as young, that is, youngish, clever and handsome. Did she, remembering my well-known susceptibility, fear that I might fall in love with him, and compromise myself by some silly schwemmery? I laughed about it all by myself at the very idea of such a thing. Fall in love with von Francius, and my eyes fell upon the two windows over the way. No, 
my heart was pure of the faintest feeling for him save that of respect gratitude and liking founded at the time more on esteem than spontaneous growth and he i smiled a little at that idea too in all my long interviews with von francius throughout our intercourse he maintained one unvaried tone that of kind frank protecting interest with something of the patron on his part he would converse with me about schiller and goethe true he would also caution me against such and such shopkeepers as extortioners and tell me the place where they gave the largest discount on music paid for on the spot would discuss the waldstein or appassionata with me or the beauties of rubinstein or the deep meanings of schumann also the relative cost of living en pension or providing for oneself no adelaide was mistaken i wished parenthetically that she could make the acquaintance of von francius and learn how mistaken and again my eyes fell upon the opposite windows friedhelm helfen leaned from one holding fast to Courvoisier's boy the rich italian colouring of the lovely young face the dusky hair the glow upon the cheeks the deep blue of his serge dress made the effect of a warmly tinted southern flower it was a flower face too delicate and rich at once adelaide's letter had dropped unheeded to the floor those two could not see me and i had a joy in watching them to say however that i actually watched my opposite neighbours would not be true i studiously avoided watching them never sat in the window seldom showed myself at it though in passing i sometimes allowed myself to linger and so had glimpses of those within they were three and i was one they were the happier by two or if i knew that they were out that a proba was going on or an opera or concert there was nothing i liked better than to sit for a time and look to the opposite windows they were nearly always open as were also mine for the heat of the stove was oppressive to me and i preferred to temper it with a little of the raw outside air i used sometimes to hear from those opposite rooms the practising or playing of passages on the violin or violoncello scales shakes long complicated flourishes and phrases sometimes i heard the very strains that i had to sing to airs scraps of airs snatches from operas concerts and symphonies they were always humming and singing things they came home haunted with the last rose from martyr now some air from faust die freischutz or tannhauser but one air was particular to eugen who seemed to be perfectly possessed by it that which i had heard him humming when first i met him the march from leonori he whistled it and sung it played it on violin cello and piano humming it first thing in the morning and last thing at night harped upon it until in despair his companion threw books and music at him and he dodging them laughed begged pardon was silent for five minutes and then the march da capo set in a halting kind of measure to the ballad by way of a slight and wholesome variety there was the whole repertory of volkslieder from du du liegst mir im herzen du du liegst mir in sin to medela ruck 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 am eine gune seite sometimes they one or both of them with the boy might be seen at the window leaning out whistling or talking 
when doors banged and quick steps rushed up or down the stairs two steps at a time i knew it was Courvoisier. friedhelm helfen's movements were slower and more sedate i grew to know his face as well as eugen's and liked it better the more i saw of it a quite young almost boyish face with an inexpressibly pure true and good expression upon the mouth and in the dark brown eyes reticent as most good faces are but a face which made you desire to know the owner of it made you feel that you could trust him in any trial his face reminded me in a distant manner of two others also faces of musicians but greater in their craft than he they being creators and pioneers while he was only a disciple of beethoven and the living master rubenstein a gentle though far from weak face and such a contrast in expression and everything else to that of my musician as to make me wonder sometimes whether they had been drawn to each other from very oppositeness of disposition and character that they were very great friends i could not doubt that the leadership was on Courvoisier's side was no less evident eugen's affection for helfen seemed to have something fatherly in it while i could see that both joined in an absorbing worship of the boy who was very crossest in love if in nothing else sigmund had too an adorer in a third musician a violoncellist one of their comrades who apparently spent much of his substance in purchasing presents of toys and books and other offerings which he laid at the shrine of saint sigmund with what success i could not tell beyond this young fellow karl linders they had not many visitors young men used occasionally to appear with violin cases in their hands coming for lessons probably all these things i saw without absolutely watching for them they made that impression upon me which the most trifling facts connected with a person around whom cling all one's deepest pleasures and deepest pains ever do and must make i was glad to know them but at the same time they impressed the loneliness and aloofness of my own life more decidedly upon me i remember one small incident which at the time it happened struck home to me my windows were open it was an october afternoon mild and sunny the yellow light shone with a peaceful warmth upon the afternoon quietness of the street suddenly the quietness was broken the sound of music the peculiar blatant noise of trumpets smote the air it came nearer and with it the measured tramp of feet i rose and went to look out a hussar regiment was passing before them was borne a soldier's coffin they carried a comrade to his grave the music they played was the funeral march for the death of a hero from the symphonia eroica muffled slow grand and mournful it went wailing and throbbing by the procession passed slowly on in the october sunshine along the Schadowstrasse, turning off by the hop garden and so on to the cemetery i leaned out of the window and looked after it forgetting all outside till just as the last of the procession passed by my eyes fell upon Courvoisier going into his house and who presently entered the room he was unperceived by friedhelm and sigmund who were looking after the procession the child's face was earnest almost solemn he had not seen his father come up i saw helfen's lip caress sigmund's loose black hair that waved just beneath them then i saw a figure only a black shadow to my eyes which were dazzled by the sunshine behind them 
one hand was laid upon Helfen's shoulder, another turned the child's chin. What a change! Freetom's grave face smiled. Sigmund sprung aside, made a leap to his father, who stooped to him, and, clasping his arms tight round his neck, was raised up in his arms. They were all satisfied, all smiling, all happy. I turned away. That was a home. That was a meeting of three affections. What more could they want? I shut the window, shut it all out, and myself with it into the cold, feeling my lips quiver. It was very fine, this life of independence and self-support, but it was dreadfully lonely. The days went on. Adelaide was now Lady Le Marchand. She had written to me again, and warned me once more to be careful what I was about. She had said that she liked her life. At least she said so in her first two or three letters. And then there fell a sudden utter silence about herself, which seemed to me ominous. Adelaide had always acted upon the assumption that Sir Peter was a far from strong-minded individual, with a certain hardness and cunning perhaps in relation to money matters, but nothing that a clever wife with a strong enough sense of her own privileges could not overcome. She said nothing to me about herself. She told me about Rome, who was there, what they looked like, what she wore, what compliments were paid to her, that was all. Stella told me my letters were dull, and I dare say they were, and that there was no use in writing, because nothing ever happened in Skernford, which was also true. And for Eugen? We were on exactly the same terms, or rather no terms, as before. Opposite neighbours, and as far removed as if we had lived at the Antipodes. My life, as time went on, grew into a kind of fossilised dream in which I rose and lay down, practised so many hours a day, ate and drank and took my lesson, and it seemed as if I had been living so for years, and should continue to live on so, to the end of my days, until one morning my eyes would not open again, and for me the world would have come to an end. End of chapter 20